Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. It is here. The new course all about how to be the best that you can be and work on your pies in a daily basis for a whole month is finally ready for you to join. It's called Your Best Self, a 30-day guide to becoming the most attractive that you can be. And in Your Best Self, I go through a day-to-day practice with you, a day-to-day regimen where I'm teaching you new things, showing you the science behind all of the things that I'm teaching you and why they are some of the best things that you can do to focus on working on your pies. And I also share with you takeaways, things that you can actually do that day based on what we learned. It is a super in-depth course to help you not only get started with your pies, but to dig deep and to have crystal clear clarity on what you should be doing, what to do, how to do it, and how to implement it in your daily life. Your best self, 30 days. Every day for 30 days, I am teaching you and sharing with you something to learn and also giving you something new to do. It comes with a daily habit tracker. It comes with a downloadable journal so that you can track your progress on all of these different things throughout the month and so that you will be able to take key takeaways away with you and see how those things affect you and how attractive you are as a human being. I hope that you love this course. You can join it by going to piesuniversity.com and clicking join in the upper right-hand corner. I would love to see you inside the course, and I can't wait to see all of the amazing change that you go through over the next 30 days. All right, in today's episode, we are talking again with Krista Bigler, who I've had on the show before. She's an amazing guest to have, very knowledgeable, very wise. And today we are talking all about fasting because fasting is such a buzzword now and everyone talks about it, different ways to do it. There's intermittent fasting, there's bone broth fast, there's multiple day fasts, there's all of these different things. But let's just get back to the basics and talk about why should people fast? Should everyone fast? And if you're going to do it in a healthy way, how can you do that? That's what we talk about in today's episode with Krista Bigler. Let's dive in. Remember, I am not a medical professional. So everything that we talk about on today's episode is simply for educational purposes. Please be sure to consult with your own doctor and healthcare provider before you make any changes or implement anything. This is simply for learning, not to tell you what to do. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. 
We are joined again today with Krista Bigler, who I had on a couple of, well, I don't know when this is exactly going to record, but I had her on a few podcasts ago, loved the conversation, had great listener feedback. And so I've asked her to come back again today to talk about fasting. So before we started, you said you have kind of a history in this. I'd love to know how your, what your experience has been with fasting, and then I'll get into all all my sure. questions. Cause I think stories are fun, right? So, um, and, and life is about who, you know, so I always think I have this kind of weird life. I live in the middle of nowhere. No one lives. <laughs> I can barely get good internet. <laughs> and a few years ago, I was working for a fitness celebrity. And so, and it's because of who, you know, right? Like I knew a dietitian who was her cousin who was managing the program. So, um, like if you've ever seen things on QVC, you probably know who this person is. So she came out with a program probably 2017 ish. Um, and the premises of were that it was like phasing your diet and fasting stuff. And so there was a, there was a lot of fasting talk in it. So we, we got kind of inoculated in the fast. And I think like 2017 was when it was really hot, really popular. Jimmy, um, whatever his name is, his book was really popular. There's another one. It's like the fast, there's like a two there's Jimmy Moore. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Moore. Yeah. Jason okay. Fung, who was a nephrologist. And at the time I was still okay. working in kidney disease, actually. So Jason Fung, who's a nephrologist, he was using it. He's a Canadian nephrologist, kidney doctor, and he was using fa- like a really specific fasting program as part of like how they were getting better outcomes with, because one of the main causes of kidney disease is um, uncontrolled blood sugar stuff and diabetes stuff. So he was really using it in that hmm. context. So anyway, we were using it. Um, the person who was in charge of the program, right? The, this fitness lady, she really wanted to tout it as like gut health stuff. And that was not very resonating for her audience. That was a lot of people who followed her for her fitness career. And so she could only mark it's really, it was really interesting in the marketing perspective because it was only people would only buy it if it was marketed for weight loss. So it's so funny. Cause like, this is life. This is just human nature. Right. right. So, um, but there's a lot of benefits on the back end if you understand it. So, um, so I worked for that program, I don't know, maybe like a year or something when we wrote content or whatever. So my point is, is got into it, kind of like got really, really inoculated at that time. I wrote like several blog posts about it um, that, that were kind of popular-ish in 2017, which I can share with you that go over different types of fasting. And then, I mean, I, I want to talk about like the pitfalls as well, because like with anything, you can get into it and kind of do it incorrectly. So maybe do you mind, can I just jump into like sort of the benefits? Cause I think sometimes the benefits aren't even totally understood about fasting. Um, and maybe I'll just go into like what fasting is if, if I, yeah, uh, dive in girl. Okay. So fasting is literally like we, you know, you you know what it is. It's like breakfast. It's like not consuming food, but fasting doesn't always mean not consuming anything. And in fasting side note, and we'll talk about like what the mechanisms are. You have to stay hydrated properly or you will be a mess. Don't let me forget to tell you how I really messed up a prolonged fast this summer because I had it on the shelf and I was like, I'm just going to do this. And then I, I felt like death. Until I got electrolytes in my butt. Anyway, it's kind of a stupid story, but it's like, here's what happens when you don't do it right. And it, it ain't expensive. So anyway, so you need to hydrate. Um, some people are confused because they're like, oh, could I drink coffee or tea or whatever? In theory, if you're drinking like a non-caloric beverage, then it's fine. Or some people would be like, you could still fast and like maybe consume avocados or something that's like mostly fat. Because what we're trying to do in a fast is get our blood sugar like pretty low and steady, not like hypoglycemic, like low, low blood sugar, where you're like shaky and hangry. We're trying to actually improve those symptoms. So backing up, there's a lots of types of fasting. And let me just tell you the couple, a couple popular ones. There's all kinds of stuff. And 
And really, there's no purpose in us getting into the minutia of fasting because the more complicated you make it, people get excited about it and they're like, yes, I love this complicated stuff. And then they never carry it out. And I'm not saying you should carry it out today, but <laughs> no point in getting into like eat for five hours, two days and blah, blah, blah. So here's the most popular ones. And what we do know research-based wise is the 16-8-1. We need about 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. Now, what is normal? It is Unless you have like adrenal, we'll talk about the contraindications, which is adrenal stuff because you can't really regulate your blood sugar very well. Let me just talk about that really quick. Adrenals secrete stress hormones like cortisol. They secrete DHEA and DHEA controls blood sugar. So if you can't really control your blood sugar because your adrenals are like stressed and hurt and whatnot, then you're not going to um, go in and out like your blood sugar that can be a contraindication for fasting if your adrenal issues. So if you are like your history is hit workouts, um, over exercising and under eating, that is like a, a breeding ground for, um, adrenal stuff. And like, you, you may not be a good fit to go into fasting stuff just because your blood sugar may not be stable enough. So side notes. Okay. Um, so that's like the big thing is we're trying to improve blood sugar because if we don't have good blood sugar, we feel hangry. We don't have good energy, et cetera. So very popular types of fast are like every other day. So eat one day, not the next day and take a 24 hour break, which I don't think is nearly as popular as the 16, eight. So that's a 16 hour, like the kitchen is closed for 16 hours. You're eating for eight hours. Okay. So the most popular way people do this is they push their breakfast off until like 10, 11 AM or like they have a brunch and they eat two meals. Okay. So what this is doing for some people is it's creating consciousness around mindless eating, right? Because if we're like, oh, I'm fat, like I'm intentionally not eating at this time. So really it like, it starts to awaken a lot of emotions you may not realize about yourself, which is also a positive slash negative thing, right? Because our food relationships are complicated. So sometimes things will awaken, you know, sometimes we like need to maybe not be like, we're actually supposed to have breaks between our meals and not eat constantly. Cause one, it's hard on our blood sugar. It's like always going to be elevated, which is not good. And, um, the migrating motor complex, which is basically your janitor and your gut can't go in and like clean up if the cafeteria is always full, you know? So it needs a little bit of a break. So back to normal, cause I tangented for a moment, um, what's what would be pretty good or like that's kind of recommended is that people should probably fast 12 hours overnight. And if you can't fast 12 hours overnight, don't bother trying to do something else. So that's probably like step one. Can you fast for 12 hours? So eat for 12 hours, fast for 12 hours. That's actually kind of, that's quite normal. Okay. That's normal. It doesn't require any extra knowledge about anything. Okay. Then if you feel like you can go into 16, eight, here's how people do it incorrectly. So let's say the night before we have a really carb heavy supper or like some carb snacks the night before that's going to like spike your blood sugar, which is going to put you into kind of usually a roller coaster. You're going to be really hungry the next morning. If you fat load um, instead and maybe a, a moderate protein, which is a funny word, right? Like um, too much protein can uh, negate this, get into the nuances and I'll, I'll talk about that shortly. But basically you want to add fat to the diet instead of like a bunch of carbs the night before. And then if you do that, you usually have more satiety or you're more full and you can handle getting to like brunch the next day. Okay. Um, so some people they'll wait, they'll push their breakfast off. They'll, um, wait until that brunch time to like eat a breakfast slash lunch. They might have something to drink in the morning. Like you should definitely be hydrating and using electrolytes. Like, so mineral salt is a form of electrolytes, the primary form of, of the electrolyte minerals. So that's actually great because easy, right? Like mineral salt is great. So you should hydrate. And then some people will do coffee. They'll do tea, whatever. 
sometimes that doesn't work well for people because um, the coffee for some people, like the caffeine can raise cortisol. And so it can kind of like be negating for it because we don't want to be raising our cortisol while we're trying to, what we're trying to do is create a, a situation of like resting and calming and digest, like not even digesting, but like essentially like a, a period of calm. Um, Cause there's some benefits to fasting. I'll get to it in a second. So 16, eight is really popular. You got to start with 12, 12, 16, eight is really popular kitchen close for, for 12 or for 16 hours, open for eight hours. And some other benefits here is that people are, like I said, they're not snacking all day. They're consuming less overall intake. So for some people, they experience weight loss for that reason. Okay. But the benefits are more than that. They're actually um, to improve metabolic flexibility. And then I'll get into the other types of fasting. So metabolic flexibility basically means what we use now for energy for our body. So our gas tank is carbohydrates. So um, we need to be able to eat carbohydrates, digest them and use them and turn them into energy. And there's a lot of reasons that doesn't happen very well sometimes. Um, but you could, and by the way, your liver is going to store stuff, like it's going to store backup reserves. So if you have a bunch of cupcakes the day before you do um, fasting, it's going to take longer for your your body to burn through all the storage of that stored glucose in your liver um, before it's going to break into fat. Because your body could change its storage. Like it's basically a backup tank. Like it could break into fat. And that's called ketosis, right? So we're breaking, we're breaking down ketones, we're breaking down, we're we're using fat for fuel essentially. So if people get kind of good or they do this sort of intentionally and safely, they could improve their metabolic flexibility. Now, what does that look like? Like, how do they feel on the other side? They might feel like they had more hanger not related to adrenal stuff. And then it starts to improve because their blood sugar is not so wonky. Like they've kind of created a more steady blood sugar state. Okay. But the other primary thing where fasting is popular is in longevity medicine. So this is where, and I can stop and we can talk about like, I could keep going or I could stop, but longevity medicine is, you know, healthy aging and it's prevention of those neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, but also cancer. So in, in the neurodegenerative diseases and in cancer, we want to, one of our goals is to increase getting rid of garbagey cells. Okay. Cause our cells multiply and you don't want garbage cells to multiply. You will need to clean those out. So it's called the cleanup system is called autophagy. And so what we're really, really, really trying to do with fasting is improve autophagy, which is a natural process. But when we do intentional bouts of fasting, we could improve that autophagy process. And essentially, so like if someone has Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, et cetera, and the history of their family, sometimes this is this is used as a therapeutic approach. So the person who is really like the go-to guy on this is Dr. Walter Longo with a V and he wrote The Longevity Diet. And basically he discovered this in mice and it was like no one believed him. And essentially in his book, he has a DIY version or his company sells a five-day fast, which I have done and some of my clients have done and whatnot. And we can talk about those experiences in a little bit. Um, but so sometimes you'll do this prolonged fast because the thought process is if you do this prolonged fast, you get these bigger benefits. Now, there are people who do things that seem a little wild, like they fast for a long time and then they try to reintroduce foods and they're like vomiting and vomiting up the front and the back. So anyway... There's always the, like it, you shouldn't, 
I want you to, it's good to know what you're doing. <laughs> it's good to be aware, first of all, like, do I care about this? Um, and one more note about neurodegenerative stuff. So there's a genetic, there's a gene called APOE, and it kind of uh, basically gives you your like predisposition for how much of an issue this is. So some people have like no problem with this, and some people have a 30% increased risk, and some people have like a 70-ish percent increased risk. But I have a client right now and, you know, her parents, one has Alzheimer's and one has Parkinson's. So, and as an older woman, I'm not going to do genetic. Like when I go through genetics, it's actually kind of, I, it's not a first thing I would do. It's like, it's kind of overwhelming. It's like a lot of information, (laughs) which at the end of the day, like what's happening in real life is more important. So if you have two parents with neurodegenerative diseases, then it's good to support all the things that support longevity. Okay. Recapping benefits, metabolic flexibility. So being able to switch into fat versus, um, so using fat for fuel versus versus carbs for fuel. And so that's kind of like one thing. So then you're not so hangry and like you need to pack a thousand snacks in your bag. And then the next one is, um, autophagy really, or like basically increasing the janitor process of crappy cells. Cause you don't want cells to divide because it increases our, if, like, if you have cancerous cells, which some people say everyone does. We don't want those to like continue to divide um, or the neurodegenerative type. We don't want those to divide. So we have a disease essentially. So those are like the actual benefits that I don't know if get talked. They do get talked about, but I don't know if they get talked about enough because people are like, oh yeah, weight loss or whatever. Um, and there is a little bit of like, there's a, t- a slight gut health. You know, we can talk about the implications for gut health as well, but. A lot of information. Love it. The let's talk about the these benefits. So can you still get the benefits of the metabolic f- flexibility and the autophagy from just doing the 16-8 fast? To my knowledge, yes. There's something about prolonged fasting where you can get much more of it. It's like much more upregulated, like immensely upregulated. Um, should I tell you about this bad experience I had with the fast? Go for it. Absolutely. Why not? Um, and then we can maybe talk about the the thing, like what are the common pitfalls that I see when people are, because I'll, I can look at yeah. stuff and I'm like, this isn't going well anymore. Like mm. <laughs> you should maybe mm-hmm. reevaluate this. And I have a client story from this week. Um, anyway, so there's this prolonged fast. You can do this generic one. If you want to like pull it, if you like out of the book, you can do it. I've never done that. I've always just gotten a box. And essentially what it is in Vulture Longo's thing is it's like you simulate doing like not eating for five days, which sounds by the way, horrible. Um, but you get to eat. So you eat this like extremely and like you, this has to be done with care and for the right reasons, I think. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you basically, you get a box. Oh, I wish I could show you cause I have one in my closet. You get a box and like, there's five individual boxes and it's basically like, and it's actually pretty good. It's like dehydrated soup and kale crackers and all of whatever it's like stuff. And so huh. it makes up exactly what you need for the day. Um, plus some other things. And so you consume just that for the day uh, for five days and you get into ketosis and you get to eat, but you get the benefits of a, of like an actual five day fast. Like I didn't eat type thing. Okay. But you really should follow it properly. Like I've used it to work out some, some things and I've, I've used it for clients that have neurodegenerative stuff. But this summer I had some sitting on the shelf and I really like to eat like a lot. I do too. I, I do eating. too. So honestly, fasting never really sounded that good to me. And um, I did enjoy the metabolic flexibility benefits, like not needing to pack a thousand snacks when I was more in the thick of it in 2017. But I've kind of said like, it doesn't really sound fun to me to do the 5J fast, but I have these boxes on my shelf and I'm like, whatever. So um, 
side note, let me give you the context. It's really also kind of not very fun to do. Like if you have children because you, and maybe a husband who's not going to do it or whatever, like you live with people who are going right. to eat while you're not going to eat. Um, you're going to smell it. Yeah. Well, you actually tend to make the food, right? Like at my house, yeah. I'm kind of in charge. So sure. I make all the food. So it's not very fun. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to um, do it when I was around kids. Cause then it's just like not enjoyable. And also your kids see everything you do and you want to make sure we're putting out positive vibes around food. Mm. Cause like, otherwise we're giving them, we're unknowingly giving them issues that we also were handed down from our parents. And so anyway, I'm not worried about the way I would um, demonstrate it to my children, but it was more of like, for convenience purposes, I would rather not cook <laughs> um, at the same time I'm doing this fast. So I went to, for a week to my parents' house to take care of my mom. She has a gnarly autoimmune condition. So this summer, I kind of went down there for about a week and it was around my birth. I think I was going to come home like the day after my birthday or something. It was just the way the the way the chips fell. And so I was like, well, this is kind of dumb, but here's the deal. My mom also was not eating. She was getting her, I'm giving you the context as it's a little bit better, I guess, if I do this. So she was also getting oral nutrition through a tube through her stomach because she mm-hmm. couldn't swallow and whatever due to her condition. So she was, she was also not eating. My dad had previously made comments that he didn't want me to cook for him. He can cook for himself. I was like, perfect. I'm going to go ahead and make this and do this fast while I'm there. And like, I won't even notice. It'll be great. So the day before, it's like almost the last day, must maybe the night of day four. And my sister-in-law decides to bring over a cake because it's my birthday, like as a surprise and bring my family over. And I'm like, okay, like now we're awkward time, you know, and they knew I was doing this. But anyway, so what I chose to do, this is not a good idea. What I chose to do was to not consume most of the food that was allotted in that fasting box that day. And instead I had a little bit of cake instead of that. Right. And Oh man, I had a good headache. Um, the next day I decided, you know, I'm kind of done with this. Like, I think I'm going to like air out early on day five. Cause I, I'm a human and I like to eat. So I, um, what you should do when you're coming out of a prolonged fast is working slowly, maybe drink some bone broth, do some soup, do something easy to digest. Cause that's kind of hard if your body has been like, Oh, I haven't digested anything for five days. And now you just want me to show up and do work. So I went for a walk with my, um, sister-in-law that morning who was anyway. And so she was like, Oh, I'll make you an omelet. Cause she's like permacamping um nearby and so anyway she's like i'm like oh an omelet sounds delicious even though it's probably not the best first choice um after the cake that i had the night before like little bits of cake like i didn't eat a whole bunch but um so two things happened i um substituted my intake from the box for cake and then the next day i go to <laughs> i go straight to like a full on like i was like okay cool i'm going to have some eggs and then i felt like Oh, I hope this isn't too much information. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about my, so my digestion woke up, which means I needed to use the bathroom, which means I went and like, essentially what happened was I lost some electrolytes. Like things just went out of me. Like it was my body's like, well, yep, I wasn't ready for that. So my body was like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and ex- eliminate the things. So what happened was because I didn't take the stuff, all the stuff in the boxes, I wasn't getting proper electrolytes. And so this actually makes you feel like death. So like all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible. Like I needed to lay down and curl up in a ball. And by the way, my mom to speech therapy like in an hour. But I was like, I feel like death. This is actually called keto flu as well. Like it was very simple. Like you feel like you have the flu essentially all of a sudden because you, and it's usually like the fixes electrolytes. And so remember Krista used to work for a program where she would 
teach people about these things. <laughs> no, right. it's so funny. So I'm like curled up on a bed, like feeling like I'm going to die. And I'm like, okay, what do you know? Let's be rational. What is wrong right now? <laughs> okay. I think you have keto flu. So I crawl to the kitchen and put some mineral salt in my hand. I'm being very dramatic right now, but I hope it's a good story at the end. So it, it comes out quite well. So I put some mineral salt in my hand and I like lick it out. <laughs> I crawl back to the bed and lay down and I was like, I feel a little bit better. I'm going to do that again. Go back to the kitchen, a little more mineral salt in my hand, lick it out, go back to the bed. I'm like, oh, I feel like 60% better. Took a little bit more mineral salt. Within 10 minutes, I was, I was all better. I got no I, like, we were running. My mom's like, we're going to be late. And I was like, not telling her. I like felt like death suddenly, like, is also COVID years. So it's like, just a minute. I feel like I have the flu. Right. Like, just kidding. Right. Like you can't say these things. Right. No, like, <laughs> let me suffer silently for a moment. Cause I said I was going to do this. So I took electrolytes and literally it was like minutes. It was like a maximum 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, I feel like brand new. And then on the way to the hospital, I told her what I did to myself. Not that it mattered to her. Like my point is very dramatic story to tell you electrolytes are super important look what i could do with mineral salt in a short amount of time uh that's what keto flu looks like not having electrolytes um you know and like what a ding dong i am like this is what happens <laughs> right? like don't do it like this guys so anyway um so let's talk about some more common pitfalls maybe that i think people um see or like the benefits and then and kind of the trade-off here so um Sometimes people will be like, I feel so freaking good on ketosis. And probably like that fat for fuel sometimes like goes along with a lot of brain clarity. And then sometimes if we were significantly reduced carbs, we might feel a lot better because the carbs, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have gut imbalances. And if you have gut imbalances, bacterial imbalances, you're not going to digest carbs um, as well as you should. And so, and sometimes proteins. And so it's kind of like when people do plant-based it can be really good, but it's a very similar thing. People start out like really good. And they're like, oh, I feel really good. And then the next thing you know, they're just eating pasta for, for every meal because it's like, oh, I got bored of like eating all of the stuff that I was supposed to eat there. Right. So I'm not saying that's, it's just a common thing we see. Right. So with this, people immediately might feel better, but I also want to say like, so they might have less, less bloating, whatever. But my caveat would be, you should be able to digest those things if you had better bacterial balance which can be from a lot of different things. Um, so you might feel good initially because your digestion sucks, which it was, uh, which was lending to brain fog and bloating and all these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but what the other, like a more important piece that I think is a problem is that I always tell people I'm, s you're skipping a meal, not nutrients. And I'll never forget this guy a few years ago. He was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Chris, I'm fasting today. I didn't have lunch. And I was like, um, yeah, that's not fasting. That's skipping lunch. You ate breakfast and you skipped lunch and now you're having, there's like no fasting there. Right. Didn't we just talk about like, it's like gotta be a solid amount of time, like 16, like 12 hours straight, six hours. So like eating breakfast, skipping lunch is human behavior, not <laughs> fasting behavior. So you're skipping a meal, you know, in this window, not nutrients because we're people, we like start like with great intentions. And then before you know it, so I had a, a a client this week and I looked at her journal. So I'm helping her, 
her baby with his eczema. And then we're going to work on mom's health too, because there's usually always a connection here. And so mom's postpartum, third baby, three kids under five. And she's like, I am. And so I look at her like what she's consuming and I can immediately tell she's trying to intermittent fast, but she's in survival mode. And so therefore she's actually under eating for herself for sure. She's like living on coffee through the morning and then like maybe grabbing some. And so we're talking about cheat and I'm like, why do you think I know these things? Cause I have been there, right? Like I have done this and then eaten the block of cheese. Like we have all done this. Like I didn't have a plan. So I ate a block of cheese and a box of crackers for lunch. Right. You know? And so like you're skipping nutrients and you're under eating technically. And so of course you feel like crap in the afternoon. And of course, like certainly there's many more interesting reasons you can feel like crap. Um, or not have great energy or um, not have great energy postpartum. I'm not discounting any of those things, but you can't frost the cake before you have the foundation. And so if you're just simply under eating your macronutrients um, and micronutrients, then you should probably start there. And so I see that happen a lot because I've also been there, right? So I, I recognize it very quickly. It's like, oh, looks like you're doing that thing where you're just having coffee and then you didn't really have a lunch plan. So you're just kind of under eating your nutrients and your... So it's not even... It's not just... So when people talk about under eating, we aren't just talking about calories. We're talking about, are you getting enough of your macro and micronutrients? Well, that's what really matters, right? So calories are like, this is why... So we have this saying in nutrition, this is like way back when, that we're kind of over... As a population, we're kind of overfed and undernourished sometimes. Yeah. And so calories aren't really calorie. I mean, in like... People can argue things, but like, yeah, you can sustain on. So calories equal energy technically. And so you can sustain on taking in energy, but if you want to do things optimally and well, and like, this is like nutrients are how everything works. It's like how all the reactions work. It's like, these are the raw materials to make things work. So if you can't digest your macronutrients and assimilate micronutrients because of gut issues, it's an issue. If you're just not consuming any, that's an issue. So imagine your friend, and I'm not saying any of this is bad. Like sometimes we use these tools because they really work. Let's say you have a friend who like starts a new shake in the morning. Well, gosh, or like some super juice thing in the morning. They're like, I feel so good. Well, duh. Yeah, I bet you do. Because it's like dramatically better than what you were doing before. Right. And so like you're giving your body like some really heavy antioxidants and nutrients that it was probably starving for because all it was eating before was like milk and cereal, you know, which sort of like um, there's just like some things to be desired, you know, like there's not a lot of color there. You're not getting all those different nutrients. Mm -hmm. And so um, doing smoothies in the morning, like there's a lot of different like programs. It's a really easy, low hanging thing that people can do to really increase nutrient density. And so sometimes when people do this, it's like, it does a lot for them. And I could see why, or there's like, there's these powders that have all these super foodie things in it and like they have all these benefits. So yes, yeah, certainly you could feel a lot better from taking those things, right? Because you certain you weren't getting them before. You're eating a box, right. you're eating a half a block of cheese and a box of crackers for lunch and drinking coffee all morning. Like yeah. there's some room for like other improvement here. So hmm. listen, I'm just Miss Rational over here. Like, hey, this is beneficial. And then sometimes like as humans, we get excited and then we become less excited and we start eating cake at the end of our fast and then, you know, go into keto. Flu- I'm just saying, like, I tell you these stories um, for fun, <laughs> for fun. And because it's, co- you know, I'm not saying like what I did this summer was common, but like keto flu is a common thing. Um, so seeing this, this mom who feels like crap in the afternoon because she's, just, mm-hmm. I mean, like, honestly, I, 
I, you know, why I can see that is like, I see myself when I had looked at that journal, it's like, oh yeah, been there, <laughs> you know? So it's like some tweaking and I just want to call someone out on it. It's like, Hey, is, are you getting benefit from this at this point? <laughs> you know, or, right. or are you not really like, are you even getting enough nourishment? And if, by the way, if you're breastfeeding, you require more energy intake, you like your nutrients are really getting spent, you know, mm-hmm. arguably more than even growing the baby. So, um, Arguably, like technically your intake needs go up more when you're breastfeeding versus when you're um, pregnant. It's more calorie need. So you mentioned how eating fat, eating more fat, maybe decreasing the carbs can help to the digestion happen, the brain fog to go away, some more clarity. There's benefits in eating carbs, though. Yeah. Right. Cause they're the backbone, like carbohydrates are make up the nutrients that help you make energy. So carbohydrates are like technically what we should use for energy. And so last night I actually like, that was part of my burnout um, thing. I was, I was like, I'm going to eat some carbs. Cause I'm going to go like do I, normally I wouldn't exercise at night, but we're coming into the shortest days of the year right now. And so sometimes um, like I hadn't done anything in the morning. I just needed to move my body. Right. Cause I'd been at a desk and I felt like blah you know, so I needed to move my body in some ways, but I chose carbs as like a good, like a good, like good health. I I made spaghetti and I was like, I'm going to like, this is my favorite food. This is my favorite comfort food. I'm going to have this. Uh, cause I know I need these carbs to make and to make energy. So in adrenal state, sometimes people really need that as well, but yes, carbs are one of the essential macronutrients. So, and actually that's a good point. I should mention for a Probably no intermittent fasting Puritans are going to listen to this episode and they would have turned it off already. Because uh, if you're in this Puritan standpoint, you're like, this is the only way type thing for a while. Um, so when people are doing like fasting cycles, it's thought that like, okay, if you're going to be in ketosis for a while, you need to like cycle out and do like a carb day basically and like take yourself out and back in. Cause like there's, and I don't, I can't tell you all the things around this. I can't remember, but basically the thought process is that we should go back and forth. Like carbs are our nat are are technically kind of our natural form, but being able to live on fast, I suppose it's a bit um primal, I if I had to guess, because you didn't always get to eat all the time when you were hunting for your food and getting out doing things. So you needed a backup source of energy as well. So I heard someone say this was a couple of weeks ago, and they this guy was talking about more about like high performance people and ways to eat to to maximize that. So he was suggesting earlier in your day, eat fattier protein and fat so that the carbs, so you won't have that like slump in the middle of your day because carbs make you tired. And then at night have the lean protein and the carbs because they're going to help you calm down and and, you know, they'll probably make you a bit tired, which can help you sleep. But then early, which typically is how I was kind of eating anyway. Like I've always kind of had my sweet potatoes in the evening and things like that. But but then earlier when you were talking about eating fat at night to keep you satiated until the morning. And then I'm also thinking about how I have a restless night's sleep. So is there any here's the bottom line is, is there validity in that? Like, is there validity in trying to eat more of your carbs at night because it'll help you sleep? Or is there more validity in try to eat more fat at night 
because it can help you sleep? Yeah, great question. I'm going to back it up and like be simple about it. So if you have adrenal issues and you can't really stabilize your blood sugar, sometimes you need to experiment with eating some like a macro balanced um, snack at night, whether like a carb and a fat or carb and a protein or a carb fat and protein at night. Because otherwise you're waking up hungry in the middle of the night. So you might ask yourself if that is happening because that is like a sign of my blood sugar is really imbalanced. So you need some extra support there. Okay. So that's like you can get some help to get some extra support because there's some like nutrients that'll help bring this more into balance because usually you get nutrient deficient um, because things have been, you know, robbed or whatever. And so there's certain nutrients, chromium, magnesium, vitamin D, certain Bs, et cetera, that need to be at play for you to like get your blood sugar on point. So if it's like an adrenal burnout situation, like bad, um, in very bad cases, sometimes they need more carbs at night and sometimes that doesn't work for them. Okay. So it's like, try this experiment with that. So I'm going to take that section out and put that on the shelf. Like, okay, now I've talked about that. Now let's talk about the other stuff. What do you start your day with? So, and you said something, you're like, carbs make you tired. Carbs shouldn't necessarily make you tired. Um, so that's really like, I, I find that that's like an issue on. So for me, inflammation makes me tired. So it's like, is this shooting it, which is a whole big topic, but short answer is if we were oversimplifying this. Um, how are you digesting, absorbing, using, like, is this a good quality carb, et cetera? So I would challenge the thought of why would carbs make you tired? You know, like, are you not, that tells me you're not really using them. Like it's, it's being more inflammatory than useful because something's not getting done right. Which is like my broken record part of my day all day long talking about gut stuff that whatever. Okay. But then you talked about the protein at the beginning of the day. So this can be good to start your day with more protein. I think you can, you can go into your day more focused and satiated because if carbs are going to give more people brain fog with gut imbalances, because it's going to feed the gut imbalances, one, that's useful. But two, once you start your carbs for the day, that's going to spike your insulin. And then it wants to roller coaster after that. So starting with like a more protein fat heavy, and I would say just like rotate it because our culture has always been carb, 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 carb. And so you might say like, Hey, how do I feel on that? What happens if I do protein and fats in the morning? How do I, like, you always want to say, how do I feel? I don't care who's giving the recommendation. You want to take that, put it into practice for a few days and say, how do I feel doing this? Okay. And like, it probably wouldn't hurt to take some notes because we don't retain anything. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. <laughs> or or we'll remember incorrectly based on yeah. what we want to be able to yeah. do. Yeah. Seriously. I, I talked to a woman this week and uh, she said something, and I'll be real brief about this, but she said something about something we did a few years ago. And she's like, oh yeah, I love that protocol. I was like, actually, every drop of that rocked your world for a week. Like you were extremely sensitive. Like I remember that a little bit better because you, you don't remember the pains that you went through once you're good, you know? And it's like, I remember that. Yeah. It was actually like not, yes, the outcome was good, but during it, it was kind of a challenge. Um. So anyway, yeah, take some notes. But there's a lot to be said for like changing up your macro comp composition in the morning. Um, and doing some fats in the morning are a good plan as well. Now, if we're talking about high performing athletes, uh, they run. So like, because there's a lot of like breakdown and rebuilding a muscle, there's a lot of like inflammation happening intentionally. Like mm -hmm. that is actual inflammation that breakdown tear up. So athletes have some of the worst micronutrient profiles when we test them and the most inflammatory hmm. markers. So they have their really low oleic acid. So I'm always like, my mind is doing different things than probably theirs, but I look at micronutrient tests and I see all the low omega nine fatty acids on it. 
because of inflammation. And I think about, you know, you can really improve that if you do some good fats like olive oil, macadamia, and flaxseed. And if you don't have good, this good fatty acid status, so each of your cells has this little lipid layer. If you don't have that good fatty acid status, you're not going to get minerals into the cell. You're going to start having weird, annoying symptoms, heart palpitations, restless leg, et cetera. And this is where people have been had issues for a while. Um, and minerals are a big issue. And so anyway, side notes, but also <laughs> a little deeper than just the macronutrient conversation. Like, you know, I, I could, I would support the fat almost for even different reasons in the morning because it's going to help with some of the absorption of the other nutrients potentially. So backing up, um, if we're not spiking our insulin in the morning. We might feel a little bit better. So like what you can do here, what's the application, do some fat and protein in the morning, see how you feel. Do you feel better or worse? By the way, some people don't feel good because they don't digest protein well because they have like really common gut imbalances that affect protein digestion. Super, super, super common. Um, so I just mm. challenge you to think about these things. Um, but yeah, try try some fr- protein fat in the morning and see how you do like delay your carb intake a little bit and see if that works a little bit better for you. Right. I think that's fine. And then um like the carbs then the night before in in theory that your body's going to break that down and store it a little bit so if you're getting up to exercise especially if you're doing endurance and cardio work you know this is like reminds me if you were ever I was in cross country in um middle school and I just remember having spaghetti dinners the night before because like you're you're building up your glucose stores for like endurance stuff the next day so you know depending on what you're and like if you were a real fitness buff you could get really specific and there's really cool stuff you could do here but um, but I mean, it kind of makes sense in that way, but I think sometimes we get really like bogged down by the minutia. So we always need to step back and be like, cool, th- how does this work for me? And does it feel good? Yeah. Or does it not? So, yeah. Okay. So going back to fasting mm-hmm. for a minute, I've also heard that because women have very complex hormones mm-hmm. that fasting, even like the 16, eight could be harmful to the hormones if you, so like if I'm going to not eat till 11 o'clock in the morning, but I'm hungry at eight and I keep telling my body, no. Okay. That's the question. So like, when do you know to trust your hunger? cues? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So trust your hunger cues, unless you know what you're like, unless you know, there's a greater good, which most people Mm -hmm. probably should trust your hunger cues. When you're asking about hormones, Hormones are never the root cause. They're like what contributes to hormones. I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not, but I'm thinking about like sex hormones versus adrenal hormones a little bit. Mm. And we talked about adrenal hormones like cortisol, DHEA. So if your blood sugar is super imbalanced, for sure. And that might be like the tagline you've grabbed is like, oh yeah, my hormones feel off. So I've heard that this, because it's definitely, it can definitely be contraindicated for, for people with adrenal stuff because- they need mm-hmm. to support their adrenals and nourish them and they can't be skipping. Like they need to be really consistently eating protein, fat and carb to nourish themselves. Like the mantra for adrenal stuff is a nourishment, like in all capacities mm-hmm. about sex hormones. Let's talk about what makes those come to life. It's gut health, blood sugar, <laughs> micronutrients and stress are the big ones and a little bit of detoxification sometimes. So I guess it depends on like, how it, how it interplays. I would say for sure it's contraindicated with the adrenal stuff, with the sex hormones, it depends, you know? So it's like people's hormones are off because of these other reasons. So does the fasting stuff help or 
um, or challenge the blood sugar because it can go both ways. If like your adrenals are in a good, um, adequate state and you have high blood sugar, PCOS symptoms, like you've there, they found multiple cysts or undeveloped follicles is technically what they are in the ovaries, not cysts. Um, they actually want to change the name, but they can't get recognized for it anyway. So, and then you have hair growing on your chin and you, or on your breasts or down your belly. And then what's the other one? And any regular periods, if you have two of those three, um, that's like PCOS stuff. And so that's characteristic for like elevated blood sugar. And so that person might benefit from intermittent fasting more than like a different hormone profile. So, so the bottom line is it's all different. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> Everyone's I, do, I do. I don't want you to walk away with like, well, that didn't help. Um, <laughs> if you have adrenal stuff, it's a problem. If you have sex hormone stuff, it depends on like, if you are, so like, what else would it look like? It might look like weight retention or like, you can literally check your blood sugar too. Like I've got yeah. a, I've got this client she's a dietitian and she knows what she is doing. And she's like, I've been checking my blood sugar and it, my fasting blood sugars are running between like 90 and 110. And that is not okay. Like it's high. And so it's like, what is going on? Why is your like, so the fasting blood sugar first thing in the morning or the ones yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fasting, in the day? Like you haven't eaten anything. Yeah. Yeah. So like it should be, that's my, mine is typically 94 ish first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. We don't want that. So, uh, <laughs> hi. so I was like, and her, and I had a before and after hormone test, Dutch test. And mm-hmm. anyway, and her progesterone was low, which is common. And her estrogen was low last time and high this time. And so I was going to do some adrenal stuff because her adrenals were really shot last time. And then she had a baby. And then I stepped back and thought about it all. And also if you have thyroid issues, you might not make and use insulin very well. So I decided to give prophylactic thyroid support. So we'll see what happens um, for that. But like all of, there was a lot of symptoms that were falling more under that. So it was very much a puzzle. Like I had to actually yeah that one for a second. Cause it was like not a typical scenario that I see. Um, but postpartum thyroid just being out of balance. And unfortunately it doesn't necessarily show up. Like what I've come to recently is like, it's not always showing up on testing, but what if I just support the nutrients to help that do its job better Then people are having symptomatic changes and which is pretty much what we want. Like we pretty much care about that more than anything. Cause we really don't want to go get your labs and be like, Oh, it's good. So I see that happen. And then I'm like, well, let's maybe just support the nutrients that make this happen better. Oh, you feel better. Okay, good. That would seem like it was a good idea then. Right. So I hope you're following here, but um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit more. Dig- sometimes it's like, yeah, this is not obvious. Sometimes it is obvious, like, but she did not have characteristic other PCOS type things. And so it was like, okay, why else would you're like, you are really like, you really know what you're doing here <laughs> um, for sure. Like, I know you very well. So like, why is your blood sugar, you know, doing that? Um, it's because there's just something not working quite right. You know, we want to make it work a little bit better so it can do all of its jobs. So the answer was it's contraindicated for adrenal stuff, not necessarily for other sex hormones, hormone stuff, like so other hormones. So when you're saying hormones, you mean a lot of things. Yeah. Adrenal hormones, not necessarily good for other hormones might be fine for. Hmm. But don't starve yourself and also think like, cool, I'm going to honor my body right now. And I'm going to maybe like eat differently the night before. Cause I noticed like, Hmm, turns out because last night I ate carbs late before bed and now I'm freaking starving at 8 a.m. Because that's what it looks like. You know, when you eat carbs late, usually you're starving in the morning. So you had a spike and then it went down and now it's spiking again. Yeah. 
What is your what is your thought on the heaviest meal of the day? So that's another thing I've been looking at recently. Um, should it be eating more earlier in the day so that you have more of a rest for your digestion while you're trying to sleep or eating more later in the day? I don't know the reason for that, except that that's typically how I'm wired. Like I would, it's easier for me to get to six o'clock and not eat much. And then by six o'clock, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry and not eat much. Like I've probably had a good amount of food compared to most people, but I haven't the majority of my calories. You're starving at 6 p.m. Are you starving? Do you have a Because I, f- I feel like what we do then is we snack a bunch before we cook dinner. And then we cook dinner. Mm-hmm. And then we're kind of like, don't feel as good as we would like to. I'm just saying, I think that's a thing. That's a real thing. So I think it is too. And I think snacking, like, so another thing I like about the 16 8 is that if you're shutting it off at six or seven o'clock at night, mm-hmm. then you're eliminating that urge to just snack while you're in front of the TV at night. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and that is a useful, beneficial thing, right? Because there's like argument in the nutrition world, like you're, you're uh, I don't know what they say. They're like, your stomach doesn't have an alarm clock. But here's what you're doing. If you're going to bed, your digestion is probably going to slow down a little bit. So, um, and you should be in a rest and digest state. So like, there's no harm or foul. Like if you want to eat popcorn while you watch a movie with your family, like do what you want, but you know, just pay attention. Like I would go back to, again, I'm a broken record. I'm like, people don't digest well. Like they don't digest because they have bacterial imbalances for a lot of reasons. Stress is a big one. It, it creates like people have a lot of problems starting in college or whatever, like after a stressful event or grad school or whatever, they start to have a lot of stress. And then where I see a lot of people, they're like, I pinpointed this or my child had this big stressful thing. So I like, I was stressed. Mm-hmm. So we create, it suppresses stomach acid and a lot of things and invites bacteria and to our gut to take up residence. And then we have these overgrowths in it. Mm-hmm. digestion so i have a lot of feelings what are what are the tests that you do with your clients to see i do it where they are um but but this is that i really i think there's a lot to be said for clinical experience and i won't just run gi maps for people because i'm not doing anyone in a favor by doing that and i learned that through because i really like results right so i'm a results person and i'm like you're not going to finish what you need to do if i just give you this test because it's not going to do any good if someone isn't like uh, managing your protocol because it's going to last a few months. And so I use the GI map, but I pair it with, um, does this make sense for your clinical symptoms? Because remember, we were just talking about sometimes the thyroid test stuff is like, hmm, not sure if this is off enough, but you know what? Let's just try supporting this because like you're symptom, you're like extremely symptomatic for it and we'll see where we land. And I used to not always do that, like with thyroid specifically. I've been doing it that way for gut for a long time because it's worked well for me. It's like, oh, this quacks like a duck and acts like a duck, probably is a duck. So why don't I address it like a duck? And like, the grand majority of the time it was a duck, you know? And so so my point is, is like tests are snapshots. They're imperfect. And we really want this objective test to tell us everything. And they do tell us more than probably other stuff. And a lot of times I'll just, I will help you like feel good about what it says. Like, yep, this is enough to create the symptoms you've got. There's probably more than this because this is just a snapshot in time. Um, So I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about, um, uh, good clinical skills and experience as well. So yeah, it's my opinion. It makes a huge difference. It does. You know, finding you want to find someone who jive like 
Yeah. There's things that are not sustainable and things that are sustainable as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. So bottom line on fasting. It's got some benefits. Got some benefits. A top um, autophagy or program cell death or cleanup of crap. Um, the other benefits would be possibly metabolic flexibility if you do it right. Um, I think that's always a thing if you do it right. Um, you know, it can increase butyrate production, which can be really helpful for the gut. Um, negatives are that, like with anything, sometimes we don't cycle things well, or here's some things I've done. Cause like when you're preparing to fast, you would like increase fat, like th- something will not help would be increasing fat and carbs at the same time. You will gain weight. That will be fun for you. Um, <laughs> um, also, um, other benefits is it might just make you more conscious of how you're eating or it may like uncover that you don't have a really healthy food relationship. Cause you feel like you have to abide by these rules. Um, you know, it may reduce overall intake and just kind of stop that mindless stuff. So I basically already said that. And then the negatives would be like people skip meal, they skip nutrients as well as meals. Like they're not eating super nutritiously because we accidentally are humans and we get lazy. And um, if we're not digesting super well otherwise as well. So um, we don't want to be under eating in a bad way, like in a prolonged way. Um, so we need to, that's one of the reasons that you would cycle or like change it up every once in a while. And then also like, Sometimes living on coffee just doesn't, it'll like take you out of ketosis. Sometimes doing a lot of protein will take you out of it. So um, I just want people to always understand, like, I think no one talks about, hey, by the way, here's some common problems that people get into. I mean, I didn't even talk about like the big weird ones, you know, where people like go off left field and like fast forever because that hopefully no one is listening that does that. But like people do crazy things sometimes that don't really, that defy common what seems like common sense sometimes too so i don't know hopefully this was helpful for for someone i i believe so it was helpful for me as well because it also takes some of that expectation or yeah pressure Mm -hmm. of like fast one day every single week Mm -hmm. do it go it's like well why and should i and do i need to and what's it what's the benefit so it definitely, I believe our conversation shows those questions that go behind it of like, is it right for you? How are your adrenal hormones? How are your, you know, all these other things? Can you even eat 12 out, go 12 hours without eating? Mm-hmm. Start there. Right. I think those are really powerful, powerful ways to start. Here are my key pies takeaways from today's episode all about fasting. The first one is this. If you're wanting to start anywhere with fasting, then the best and first thing that you should do is start by simply doing a 12-hour overnight fast, which basically means you're going to stop eating around 7 p.m. and then you won't eat breakfast until the next day at 7 a.m. So you're not sneaking in honey in your tea. You're not sneaking in a milk-based latte in the morning before 7 a.m. You're really only drinking things like plain water, plain tea, or plain coffee in that fasting window. And this one is a great place to start because overnight, we're sleeping, at least you should be, for most of it. So it really helps you to be able to go more hours without having food. So first, start with that 12-hour fast. The second key pies takeaway I have from today's episode is really understand why you want to fast 
if you want to do any type of fast longer than a 12-night overnight fast. So is it because you are wanting to get your blood markers better? Is it because you're wanting to have better blood sugar response and, and really just work on even just your cravings or your hunger hormones or things like that? That is a really great reason to enter into fasting and can help you choose a more healthy version of fasting to do as opposed to just saying, I want to do a fast because I want to drop five to 10 pounds really quick. That is not a healthy reason to do a fast. Number one, because it's not healthy for you to go that long without food. And if you are punishing your body because you don't love your body and you aren't taking care of your body, it's going to set off even deeper emotional response issues in your relationship with food and in your relationship with so many things that that have to do with how you eat and what you eat and when you eat. So be sure that you go into fasting with the correct intention. So fasting can help you clean out bad cells. It can help you reset your your cravings to where you're not going to be craving sugar or dairy or carbs as much perhaps, especially if you do it on more of a regular routine basis. But it's, it's to do things to help you. Fasting is not to do things to hurt you. Make sure you have the right intention going into it. And my third key pies takeaway when it comes to fasting is to really be sure that you're doing what is right for your body. It may very well be if you are going through a period of high stress that putting your body through fasting, especially an extended period of time fasting, that it's going to cause your body even more stress. Because when you fast, it is a form of stress. Just like if you were to do a diet or an exercise program, that is a form of stress that you're putting your body through. Now, not all stress is bad, but the more stress that we have in our life, the more it accumulates and can have more negative than positive benefits in our lives. So if you are doing extended fasting, a super difficult workout routine, you are doing a really, really strict diet, and your work is crazy, and you have a ton of family obligations, and this, that, or the other, that's too much stress in your life. So really going back to, is this what is helpful for you right now? Is this type of fasting what is good for you right now? Guess what? It's okay to just fast overnight. You don't have to do all the things in order to be an attractive person. You simply have to do what is best for you and for your body. Those are my key pies takeaways from today's episode. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.